Welcome to another edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Strukel. I'm a professor in communication at Hiram College. And joining me as always is Andrew White. He is a professor of psychology and the coordinator of the sport management program at Hiram College. Andrew, you're joining me from uh, not home, but somewhere on the road. So I appreciate you making the effort to be safe and join me today. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, On the road, not traveling vacation or anything like that, just uh, in my car. So Awesome. Staying socially distant, no worries. (laughs) Beautiful. All right. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about Bubba Wallace, but in everything that's been following since George Floyd, we've got more stories uh, the Washington Redskins, Washington Redskins, um, they have officially retired their name and logo. And it's interesting because for a long time, their owner, Daniel Snyder, fought all the way to the Supreme Court uh, to not change the name. And then after everything that's happened with George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, what have you, FedEx, Nike, and Pepsi all said, hey, we're going to pull away advertising dollars. FedEx said they wanted their name off the stadium. And as a result, Daniel Snyder said, okay, uh, we got to make a change. And the team said in a statement, as part of this process, we want to keep our sponsors, fans, and community apprised of our thinking as we go forward. Today we are announcing we will be retiring the Redskins' name and logo upon completion of this review. And, of course, they did this this past Monday. And on the release, the actual press release, they had the retired name and logo, which is kind of odd. And I guess the domain redskins.com is still active as of now. Uh, but times are changing, Andrew, and I think we're seeing this and a new sensitivity to things that maybe we should have changed a while ago. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, money speaks, I guess, especially in professional sport. Uh, I mean, if their sponsors are going to be pulling their money, uh, that that's motivation enough for management to change their mind, it seems. Uh, unfortunately, it has or it had to boil down to money in this situation. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't always have to be that case. Now, I remember back when I was an undergrad at Bowling Green, we had a couple of teams in the Mid-American Conference. We had the Eastern Michigan Hurons, which changed to the Eagles, and the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. I think they were the – no, they're Red Skins, and I think they changed to the Red Hawks. Um, so some change has been happening, but the Redskins finally getting on board and another team more local to us, the Cleveland Indians. Of course, the Chief Wahoo um, logo, mascot, what have you, has been hotly debated for a while now. But when the manager comes out, Terry Francona, and he said, I've been thinking about it and and been thinking about it before we put that out the statement that we were going to change or take things under consideration. He said, I know in the past when I've been asked about whether or not whether it's our name or the Chief Wahoo, I think I would usually answer and say, I know that we're never trying to be disrespectful, and I still feel that way. But I don't think that's a good enough answer today. I think it's time to move forward. It's a very difficult subject. It's also delicate. And so a couple years ago, the Indians removed the Chief Wahoo logo from their uniforms, and they've gone with the Block C. They still sell merchandise with the logo, but it sounds as though now they're getting serious. And I, I guess if you could talk about the role of the manager, the figurehead of the team coming out and setting that kind of moral example for the organization. Yeah, uh, and at least from what we've heard with Cleveland, 
this doesn't seem to be driven by money or sponsorships or endorsements, things like that. So, so far from what we've heard, that's great. I, I like, I just said, you know, hopefully it doesn't always have to be money based. And it doesn't seem like that's the case here, which I'm pleased by. Uh, and Francona is a leader. I mean, this is a great example of being a leader and standing up for what he thinks is right uh, and what should be done uh, on a bigger societal level. Um, he may, again, we haven't heard anything about this. He may have put the organization in a tough spot because they want him, they like him, and whether they want to change the name or not, it would look very bad for them if someone who they have chosen to run their club wants to change the name for um, actual like ethical, moral reasons, and they say, nope, we're not interested. That would look really bad at the organizational level. Uh, so, at least they're looking into it. Uh, it seems like they may be in a place where the Redskins were eh, a few years back. Uh, hopefully, it's not just public opinion shaping and saying, yeah, we're looking into it, we're looking into it, and they're actually doing some of the work here. And, and I know they've actually had some articles come out about potential new names for the team, and you know, hopefully it actually happens. Yeah, I've seen a couple, and I, I think the one that's been the front runner, and I'm not sure how much tread or this much is trending, but the former Cleveland Spiders, uh, mm-hmm. I've seen that mentioned quite a bit. Uh, Senator Sherrod Brown suggested the team adopt the uh, name the Cleveland Buckeyes from the old Negro Leagues team. Uh, so those are two names I've seen quite a bit. The others I have not, I don't know, just a lot of fan speculation yeah. and what have you. Um, right. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be good with the Spiders. They were good back in the 1890s. So, yeah, bring it back. Indeed. Prior to us recording, I happened to see a tweet from Browns, not Browns, but Indians a radio reporter, Andre Knott, and he said that uh, recently the Indians had a three-hour organizational meeting in which uh, they addressed all kinds of issues from Black Lives Matter to the pandemic, what have you, and I saw a lot of the fans chatting, chatting back and forth and said, why, whatever, and the reporting is that the Indians have been wanting to do this kind of just have a all hands on deck, let's get on the same page, let's get these issues out in the air. So much like the previous podcast we had where the soccer team, the women's soccer team, was having a lot of internal discussions, it sounds like the Indians are doing the same thing. Yeah, good. This is Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Struco, along with Andrew White. And another story I saw, of course, as sports slowly get back to their groove, uh, basketball players are starting to return. The NBA is in Florida. The um, WNBA, they arrived in Florida last week on July 6th. And some tweets came out from some of the players about the amenities or the conditions they're staying in at, I, at the IMG Academy in Florida. And they're absolutely brutal. Uh, video of the laundry room made its way onto Twitter. Uh, looking bad. Uh, there's some mouse traps. Some of the food just did not look very edible. Uh, bad plumbing. Just, it, it looked... I, I, I think I stayed in a hotel once or twice. It looked like some of these places. <laughs> not to brag or anything. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it looked like a bad motel experience. Yeah. And, you know, being that you've 
you've worked with teams and all that. What, even though it's away from the playing surface, how much do these kinds of things impact morale? You know, how much does it impact, I guess, the mental aspect of performing? Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a distraction. Um, it can, but I, just physiologically and, and so physically, it can be a problem too. Uh, the NBA teams have nutritionists with them. They are planning all of their meals. I don't know if the WNBA teams have that luxury. Uh, if they don't, there's a pretty decent chance that they're just being fed things that are inexpensive for whoever's providing the food. And that may not be very nutritious for them. So they're more likely to be fatigued, um, just not getting the actual nutrients they need for the amount of work that they're doing. And that's a problem. Uh, but yeah, just the, the lived experience, if you're not getting enough rest uh, because you're worried about the situation you're in and the food you're eating and the safety of the hotel you're staying in, uh, safety in terms of you know, the plumbing and the bed bugs and things like the mice. And if you're worried about that, you may not be sleeping well. If you're not sleeping well, you're not able to perform well. And it can be a distraction on the court even just you're thinking about where you've got to get back to at the end of the day. and It's certainly uh, an opportunity to interfere with their ability to perform. Uh, they're elite level athletes, so they're used to dealing with distractions and trying to focus on the task at hand. But this is a new, a new challenge for them, I'd say. Yeah, great point that these are elite athletes and these are the conditions they're being handed, you know, versus the... I guess the better conditions that the NBA players are getting in. Andrew, you don't have to call out any specific programs. You've been working with women's basketball for quite a while, and this is a gender issue, gender inequality issue. Have there been instances in your time in working with women's basketball where you've seen things where you thought, you know, this just isn't quite right, not fair, in terms of amenities or conditions? Um, Hopefully not to the extent of mouse traps and bad floors. Oh my gosh, no, not that. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, not in terms of resource. Well, financial resources too much, but I don't. I haven't had the experience of being really knee deep in all that side of it. Okay, Um, but a little bit, just the little things in terms of scheduling practices. When do people get? gym time what gym do people get do you get the main gym or do you get an auxiliary gym uh, are you practicing 7 to 9 p.m. or 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, are you going to have time to get to dinner or do you have to plan around that for your practice so just little things like that to add up you do see that at seemingly all levels of sport and it doesn't even matter about successive teams um, I've been at universities where uh, the women's team far outperformed a men's team but they were still seeming to get uh, I guess one way to put it would be disrespected in terms of uh, allocation of resources and so that's financial and access and I mean that's the same thing we're seeing in the WNBA NBA situation here they're at IMG Academy I don't know if they're actually staying at academy facilities or if they're staying at hotels nearby or whatever but the WNBA is at least partially financially supported through the NBA mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't seem like that support is very strong indeed 
Shifting to a different sport, I guess, a different organization, the Ohio High School Athletic Association, we're getting to a critical time right now. So teams and sports like football, they're having some, I guess, some practices, organized practices. Um, Governor DeWine, Mike DeWine, is supposed to make some kind of announcement or sometime. He said this month we're in a critical time period right now in terms of determining whether or not we'll have fall football. And a couple days ago, he gave an address at 530, in which I think a lot of people were expecting the absolute worst. And all he basically said was, do your job, wear a mask. And so I, I think a lot of people were expecting the boom to be lowered. And uh, that didn't happen. But getting back to football, uh, the Ohio High School Athletic Association in replacing their leadership, so far the word is that they're saying is that they want to leave it up to the individual school districts to decide whether or not to have football this fall, which to me just poses all sorts of logistical nightmares. So uh, I, I... For school districts, I don't know what you have to take into consideration to make this call. Are you going to force every student to have or play football? Are you going to force everyone on their schedule to play? What happens if a school says no? Uh, I I don't know. There's just so many things involved here. And being that you went to a Big Ten school like Minnesota, I saw where the Big Ten has canceled non-conference football games. And and I'm guessing that's to minimize travel and just keep – things to a minimum or bare bones i guess yeah. so i i don't know I'm, I'm just at a loss of words for making these kinds of decisions <laughs> yeah and i struggle with the canceling of non-conference games to minimize travel i, I mean what that's maybe four or so out of their entire schedule with uh, 16 games 15 games um i don't think that's that big of a minimization and Ohio State, they're traveling to Minnesota, Iowa, New Jersey. They're traveling Wisconsin. They're all over the place. It's not, and those are just conference games. So, you know, I, I don't know how much it really minimizes travel um, at, at that level. Um, and there have been conversations about similar things at lower levels as well. No decisions have been made, but I know at Division Three institutions they've been talking about well how do we shorten our schedule do we only play half of the conference like the the teams who are closer to us and in that case you are minimizing travel so if uh, a small D3 athletic conference only has teams playing conference games and only those conference teams who are within I don't know two hours of you Okay, now you've really reduced how much people are traveling. Uh, you're not going to have too much crossing of state lines. But, again, state lines are kind of arbitrary, and the virus doesn't really care about mm-hmm. state lines at all. And so a lot of these decisions are uh, arbitrary. And to have no sort of uniform approach and just letting, at the high school level, just letting local districts make their own decisions it it's messy and i i don't know a lot of the decisions don't seem to be driven by science how is it safer to have practices three to five times a week but not play games i in terms of the virus i don't 
I don't know. I mean, you're exposed to the same people, I guess, that way. Uh, but you're exposed to them a lot more. You're still having a lot of contact. You're close. You're in huddles, if we're talking football. So that is a lot of contact. And it's great in terms of the athletes are able to connect to that part of their identity. They're getting exercise and getting to enjoy competition. That side of it, fantastic. But you have to worry about the, the bigger pandemic concern. The thing I really wonder about the non-conference thing, and of course, I've got two of my degrees from Bowling Green State University. Ohio State's, I think it was supposed to be their first home opponent was the Bowling Green Falcons. So <laughs> to cut that non-conference game off the schedule particularly puzzles me and it ticks me off at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's a great fundraising opportunity for the smaller schools most of the time. Like Bowling Green probably would have made some good money on that. Indeed. And you, you may have brought up a good point about the science of this all and the physical contact. Uh, I'm just not sure I'm seeing enough science to conclusively say things are safe at this moment. Yeah, and I, I think it mirrors what we see at the professional level, and a lot of it is based on money. And I, I get it. Some Division One, especially football programs, they have incredible budgets that they're working on. Uh, a lot of them don't actually turn a profit, but without bringing in any money, they are going to be way in the red because they still have scholarships and they still have gear and they still have all sorts of other things that they are paying for. And without ticket sales, without uh, as much merchandise purchasing, that's going to hurt a lot. Yeah, and, and you know, not great point. And not every school, not every college is a Division One behemoth like a Florida State, Florida, Ohio State. Uh, we're seeing the struggles at schools just down the road, like at the University of Akron, where they've just made cut a planning to cut a ton of faculty. And at the heart of that is, what do they do with the sports programs? And they're talking about possibly. This has been a rumor, at least not a rumor, but I guess a hot point for a long time is. Does Akron stay D1 or move down to D2? So it's, yeah, yeah. the revenue thing drives a lot of decisions like this. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this uh, may seem a little cynical. Uh, I've seen several smaller schools, like we're talking small liberal arts colleges, where their presidents and some of the administration, they're saying, I'm taking a voluntary X percent pay cut for the next two years to try to help with our financial situation. I've yet to see a Division One program have a coach or an administrator or an athletic director or something like that say something like that. And these are, I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars that a coach is making. And if they're reducing your season and maybe you don't even have a season, I, I, I could see how it might help that department and your program if you were to voluntarily take a pay cut as well. Indeed. It doesn't solve the issue, but, you know, it would be a good gesture. Exactly. I think PR-wise, those are always good moves. Andrew, anything else before I let you get back on the road and uh, journey home? Uh, No, I don't think so. This was uh, somehow seemingly quiet two weeks. Yeah, it was was relatively quiet two weeks, you know, other than... We still have plenty to talk about. (laughs) Still have plenty to talk about, indeed. So we'll see if we have 
well, I'm curious what the Redskins will change to, or you know, will we have a new Cleveland baseball team in a couple weeks? I, I don't know. We'll see what two weeks will bring us. Yeah, go Spiders. Hey, indeed. All right. Well, thank you for watching, or thank you for watching. I think I'm on TV now. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside the Athlete's Mind. We'll see you in two weeks. All right, sounds good. Bye, everyone.